blood moon rises once again. I am on my week and I'm a little cranky and grumpy and that's okay. Happy Lady Blurred's Day on this fine Sunday. Um, <laughs> please don't let the blood oh. moon rise. Um, oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, Dark week is here. What was that? <laughs> Shark Week is here. Shark Week, Shark week is, here. is here. Welcome to the Thunderdome. We are the Aunt Flows of, of Flow. <laughs> the Aunt Flows of Flow. God. I think, I'm, I think I'm the only one in this group who can't rap really well. So, like, <laughs> this is a lie. You have bars. I have heard it. Well, the bars need to be um, marinated and seasoned. And it takes a couple of days <laughs> before I have to throw it on the grill so I really roast somebody. Um, but after that, <laughs> I can't do it spontaneous. I can't just like whip it up right at, right in the moment. Like you guys are, okay. you guys are always full seasoned every time. I'm, I'm dry chicken. It's fine. Stop it. It's the mole. It takes time. Quality takes time. All right. Well, as we mentioned, thank you for coming here to Lady Blurreds. It's a wonderful Sunday afternoon for the East Coasters and a wonderful Sunday morning for the West Coasters. I am sometimes V. Um, over here on my right is Kylie Too Smart, and over here on my left is Proudest the Testament. <laughs> uh, we are free, uh, like free the titties. That's that's what it is today. So, all to be said, our first segment that we're gonna go right into is how's your week. Uh, I think last week we may have kicked it off with Proudest. I think I will go to kind of change the pace of things. Um, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I saw. Did I talk about Spider Man last week? I didn't. No. Did we no. all see Spider Man, by the way? Yes. Yes. I don't know. I have not seen it yet, but I've been watching all of Frankie's videos because I couldn't not watch her videos. So I've gotten some character development, some spoilers, but I'm not stressed about it. I'm still going to go see it and enjoy <laughs> it in its fullness. Good. So please be, give it to us. Go off. Okay. It was great. <laughs> it was great. I I absolutely loved it. It was it was one of those movies where I almost went to go in the theaters to watch it again. Like that's how much I Dang. really enjoyed that movie. Um, I the colors and the Easter eggs around the colors that that were used for the visuals of that movie were really good. Like some folks were putting together like how Miles accidentally became Spider-Man, but accidentally as part of canon for his own story. Um, and so, like, what was cool is that there was, I was watching some videos about how people were talking about how, like, in the first movie, he had a specific set of colors to kind of resonate his aura, and that his aura changed to be Spider-Man colors. And so I was like, huh. And so I wanted to go back and watch it again because of those little Easter eggs being like, okay, now that there's like this heavy ass color theory that's that's tied to character type, kind of like a color motif where characters have their certain songs, now it's like color motifs. And I'm like, I'm in love with this. So um, it was one of those things where like the visuals are great. Um, how they were able to blend so many different animation styles, even if it was subtle, was really great. I, and also, of course, everybody's very thirsty about Miguel O'Hara, but I don't know what it is about the toxic man archetype that people are like, oh my God, please just like tie me up and do what you want with me. <laughs> it's very nerdy and dirty. 
I think it's also the vampire thing too. Like, I think people when they see fangs on a guy, they're like, "Oh my god, undress me." Uh, <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> she said, "Bring out the holy water." It's the Caribbean yeah, side. Paris <laughs> is like, I had an Italian dinner. Vampires do not do it for me. Yes, I'm allergic to garlic, so I guess I am a vampire. By the time. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Like, he's up at all hours of the night, has all the time to do all the activities. I'm like, how is this woman one person? She's, she can't be. I get it now. You're immortal, and this is this is how you're doing it. You and sometimes V. I feel like we're becoming an immortal three. Be immortal. I like. That. Yeah, Immortal 3. That's fair. Drink that water. Do your skincare. I'm looking, my skin's looking pretty good these days. I'm like, I'm getting younger. Yeah. Just the blood of the innocent. Just the blood of the innocent. Yeah. Blood of the mansplainers. So I guess they're not innocent. Yeah. Blood of the guilty I men. I don't want <laughs> their blood, blood though. <laughs> oh, this it's dirty? Man blood's dirty blood? A hop and a jump from 40 year old skin, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not worried. Where? Don't crack. <laughs> Don't just. I feel I'm like. I'm 60 and nobody knows she's my mother. So I'm like, let, let the genetics be flagrant over here. Flagrant. <laughs> yeah, seeing the pictures of you and your mom prowers, I'm like, what, what, what is aging? <laughs> what is it? What is it? Your mom probably looks the same as she did back in like 1962. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Anyway, so that's how my week is going. I'm very much so like, I'm kind of in a blissful, like I'm in love with this movie. So if I go watch Spider-Man again, you'll probably, I'll probably, I have a feeling I'm going to go to the theaters at some point again, just to watch it again. Um, so I will, I will pass my torch over to Paris. How's your week? Are you, are you going this week? I think so. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm I'll make room for it. it. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing your, even if we won't have the show next week, but just hearing your feedback on the second watch. Cause I've heard people saying like you picked up the Easter eggs and stuff. I am, I'm, I'm always excited to like, yes, I agree. It was a, it was great. I'm so excited when people hear this story, it seems so surreal, but the director of the, uh, of, of the um, adaptation for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is someone I know and someone who manifested this uh, to happen. Um, Kemp Powers was wrote a play called One Night in Miami, and it was um, his first foray into like, like it was his first notable work, and it ran in limited run at a theater I worked at. Right, an incredible guy was just, um, but he he said at that point in time that his goal was to work on like a major Disney animated feature. Like that was, you know, when people when people say about like manifesting and having a goal, like that's silly to write something down or that's silly to think that you can alter the universe. And I've now watched him, because he did it with Soul, which was his first, um, he co-directed that mm -hmm, animation. Mm -hmm. And now you've got Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And I'm just really like, it's if anything, it's just a, a mark to say, whatever you project in the universe to say you want something to happen you can make it happen and to see you know this person who's just deserving of that just really like it brings a tear to my eye to be like wow I saw this manifest into a real thing so yeah. anyway salute to Kemp Powers for like uh, 
for knowing the power of manifestation and all of that. Um, but yeah, anyway, the film was great. I'm not gonna echo too much because V has said everything I feel like needed to be said about it. Um, I got a chance to this weekend take in um, Lauren Hill, um, who who is one of my, I don't know, probably the one of the reasons I make music, um, especially as a, a woman rapper and just soul music uh, kind of purveyor. Just um, that album 25 years ago touched me in a way. I wanted to make an album like that. I wanted to make music like that. I wanted to rap like Lauren Hill. A lot of the um, when I grew up, right, there's like people would say, "Who's your favorite rapper?" And it was always Lauren Hill when I was when I was a kid. So I feel like seeing her. I've seen her about five times. This was her best performance of all the times I've seen her. I've seen her at Rock the Bells. I've seen her do a set with Nas, and I've seen her do you know her solo stuff. I've seen. I saw the last Miss Education um, tour, which was I think the 20th milestone. This was the 25th. And she has just progressively, her stage show is stunning. It's just gotten so much better. I don't know who is responsible for that, but I was like, I need to do my research to give them proper shout out. They were incredible. And the music director, whoever that was, she had a conductor that was also aligned to another, to her musical director, which was clearly the keyboard player and Rhodes player because she was signaling with him. Um, and they had the sound right. It was just like, I couldn't have asked for something better. And everybody was like, is she going to be on there? It's on time and all the all the jokes. And it was like, she, was <laughs> she had a woman DJ open up for her, who's her tour DJ, who does not play with the band. She just basically warms up the crowd. And she was phenomenal. First of all, she like vogued during her set. Like, and she played, she played everything from like rare grooves to deep soul. Like she played Anita Baker mixed, uh, cut into Blow the Whistle by Two Shorts. Yes. 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 Come Never on, heard that mashup. Huh? I said, come on with the bay. Yeah, she was she was very like she just she had something for everybody. She had a gold, like a whole Afro beats, then like a reggae Caribbean mix. Like it was something for everybody, whether you were an old head, which was the, like Lauren had her mom come out. Um and Mama was, came out. Oh my gosh. Mom, mom cried on stage and she was like, whether you're like my mom's age, there was a lot of people who were clapping because they were her, her mom's age. And there were people who were not quite 25, who were behind me in the box. And I was kind of laughing, me and my friend who we went to college at the same era. We used to intern for the Fader magazine, which is how we met each other. And and he was like, we're, we're, we're old. <laughs> we're old. <laughs> Stop. Who were like, not even 25. He's like, do they even know these songs? You know, and we were... Um, we were kind of joking, and but we had such a good time. Um, but yeah, Lauren Hill, I couldn't like ask for anything better. It was just beautiful. I cried several times. Um, I was already emotional because I had almost passed out. Well, shout out to my friend, Mikey, for like getting me right because he took immediate care of me and doesn't, you know, we haven't hung out ever before, like outside of like when we were in college years. And he like made sure I was good. He fed me. He made sure I was... Uh, hydrated and all of that and it was just I had been working and forgot to eat so I will say this because we all get into that mood especially and I'm looking at my sisters here first because oh I'm don't like, look at me <laughs> yes I'm, I'm mostly looking at as we yes don't forget to take care of that piece like where because I was trying to intermittent fast this week and 
because of the eight hours, like if I don't binge, and I, if V said something earlier a while back about like scheduling stuff, like it's like meal prep, you gotta schedule it. And if you don't, you can easily like everybody else's stuff, work stuff comes before your stuff. So I'm just reminding everybody to self care and please be mindful about like, eating proper meals and hydrating yourself because I didn't and then like we had been walking up you know two mile incline from where we parked and I was like you know had my blood sugar must have plummeted and I was just like ringing in the ears and I almost smacked that and I would not have been okay had I hit that down. so please do that and yeah have a have a self-care summer this is I love a self-care summer yeah <laughs> that's fair i know i get ragged on for not taking care of myself but i got not one not two but probably four people keeping an eye on me for this upcoming event that i'm doing yeah. so. i'm gonna be keeping an eye on you more because i'm like <laughs> I, just because that happened to me i'm like oh it makes me think of you so let me put something i'm gonna say it on the shelf i'm gonna be that one person with the snacks that are just i'm gonna have a, a, a coat made it's gonna be the con snack coat what you need, baby? What you need? I got to be careful. That hotel's gonna run after you. <laughs> <laughs> like, here's some nuts. Here's the, here's the banana. I'll be the granny with the little energizer bar. The low blood sugar uh, box. A low box. Uh -huh. We call it for my son. Yes, we need a low box. Yes. Well, Kylie, I'll pass it to you. Oh, mm -hmm. um, my week was fantastic. It was really busy, but also. At the same time, it was like scheduling is falling into place. So this is the first time I've had like an actual day off where I didn't have anything scheduled at all. Um, and so I used it to clean. The Bayokio crew came down and helped me like throw away a bunch of crapola. So that was really great. And slowly but surely creating more space for all the artistic endeavors. So um, really psyched for that. And um shout out Bayokio. Yes, thank you, Bayokio. Coming through, checking on your girl, making sure she's alright. And I I love it because I always feel like V is like low-key looking out for me. Anytime they come through, whether she knows it or not, I'm like, oh, V sent them to me to clean. Thank you. Nope, that's <laughs> all on them. She says all on them. Lord. Um, and then I did also get an update from AMP, which is Monterey's local production company. Um, and they're giving us a deal. Uh, it's like $25 and you can get 10 hours of television time here for your local networks. So part of my goal is to bring back local flair and um, really promote some of these local businesses and just highlight some of the events that we're all involved in when we do get together uh, and start putting that out there in a way that's accessible for some of these and I love how we're like oh we're old but we're not because <laughs> there's still people that watch cable television and are any of us watching cable television um, I feel like no sorry. no <laughs> like it's a different demographic for sure and I always think it's funny because I kind of liken it to the to the the split between TV and and radio. You know, back in the day where they're like nobody's listening to radio. I'm like, no, people do listen to radio and people still watch TV and people still engage with different platforms the other way. They just happen to either be like an older generation 
or people who just don't have access to certain aspects of technology or they're in glitchier areas. So um, this is an interesting way to explore uh, some of these amendments and, you know, provisions that are set up for us as citizens that we don't necessarily take advantage of because we don't know they're there, which for artists, it's like crucial. So find your local yeah. production companies. They get grants and they get funding to keep local access alive. It's required. It's constitutional. So go exercise some of your constitutional rights. Go exercise your voice and um, put yourself out there in a way that maybe you didn't think about because it wasn't something that was prevalent for you growing up. So that was my week. That's my shout out. Gucci with it. You say Gucci with it? Yeah, Gucci. It's all good. We're bringing back the old, the old saying. Okay. Well, I got I, you. I never said Gucci with it, but you know, I, I you know what with it was? It, it was I the boots with, with the fur. At the bottom jeans, boots with the fur. I'm still waiting to see your your boots. Your your not butters. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I did have. I did. What did I say? Retail assassinate myself. Yes. I did say that. Um, we need to see this fit. Yeah. If y'all who don't know, V also a slaves on the fashion scene. Oh no. She's not no. always in her sports bra. <laughs> no. I mean this is also what's comfortable. Like I just I, I like the last couple of years I've been like, I'm not wearing a bra like a a clippy clip bra anymore. Like F that noise. I'm tired of that shit digging into my back. Um yeah. like I, they need to be free in a way where there's no pressure. I'm not getting the dumb like lines. Like I've been wireless free for a few years and it's been gracious. It's been gracious. gracious. Um, all right, let's go ahead and transition to our first subject here. Kylie actually programmed the whole show today. Uh, we were all like really effing tired on on Thursday. We're like, shit, I'm in between event planning. Promise is like, I'm fucking done with everything. And Kylie's like, books. I'm like, you know, we've been talking about a lot of digital media and we have not talked about anything that was analog. So Kylie's like, let's be bookworms this week. And I'm like, let's be effing bookworms this week. Yep. Kylie, kick it off for us. I, yes. So I really wanted to start off with books because I feel like that's kind of where everyone starts and um really it was this topic that's been kind of weighing on me which was book burning <clears throat> and banning books and so much conversation around what books should be allowed whose stories are you know worthy of being told and then the idea that you know people put down their histories and a group of people a collective just decide that it should be scrubbed um, and we know which group this is. Uh, we are talking specifically from an American context. Um, so it's typically like white supremacists who are trying to scrub any history of, you know, indigenous people, of queer people, of black people, um, immigrants people which is I always think it's funny that they're like these immigrants I was like you mean y'all I think you mean the original <laughs> like you come from colonies the 13 colonies is the pride that you're pumping which means you have to also acknowledge like y'all are not from here stop it so oh I mean I mm, 
Mm. I learned some things about the East Coast anyway, about those 13 colonies, but go on. Yeah, we are all learning and uh, learning at different rates. And I think that's also the deep, the deepest uh, part of this conversation is, you know, who gets to decide what it what we get to learn and um, I just wanted to get everyone's takes on you know burning books do you think it's a valid form uh, of exclusion it's not (laughs) (laughs) immediately no it's really not sorry I'll chime in real quick before yeah please chime in sorry It reminds me of the people who are going into Target and just, like, grabbing Pride apparel and burning it. And I'm like, what? Why are you doing that? You're only saying, like, if they get the Pride apparel, buy it and then burn it. It's like, it reminds me of that video of that woman who's like, you can just do that. Like, you can do that if you want. Like, that's that's totally up to you after you purchase the item, right? And it's in a way where it's like you're signaling to the company like oh we made a purchase they don't know what you're doing with it and so they're like we need to produce more so more of it is going to be produced so with your book burning like to me i'm like if especially if you bought that book and then you do the thing i'm like what does that really accomplish to me like from like a point of sale type of perspective like (laughs) i can understand if it's like a very old antique book and it's like no longer being sold then that brings up a whole different like context for that but like for the other side of things if like if people are like i bought this book and i'm gonna burn it like you look dumb like what are you doing sorry go on prowess no i i, I agree with that i think that's that's uh, i'm laughing because i'm like yeah v putting logic filter on the the foolery that is anyone that is attempting to restrict and contain and challenge like in, like you're, there's no way for you to hide it anyway. By you just per, by you bringing attention to burning it, you've just brought more attention to the actual content, or whatever it is. It's like the people that burn the jerseys. Like she said that, you know, if you're going to buy it, you've now made this um, so much more important um, and so much more, you know, effective as a as a reason for people to actually go and support it. Then then not support it. So it's so, it's kind of just, I don't know, very silly to me. There is no logic filter on there. And I feel like we're in such a weird place that we have to have a have sanctuaries for um, that content is, you know, controversial. That is mostly, like you said, that in, enables the fact that there is not, that white dominance is not an actual thing. Um, and yeah. Uh, racism and ethnicity the construct that it is when it gets it, every time it approaches we're getting you know breaking things out um that book that is about it's it's actually the i am jazz or whatever that got banned because it's um about um an actual real story it's like a non-fiction story about um a girl uh, who was dis- assigned male at birth um, and became a spokesperson for trans children. And she wrote this book about her experience. Like, how do you, be, like, I understand too kind of fictional content, but I really am confused with like nonfiction. Like you can't burn the story. It's someone's life. It happened. She's going to continue to tell her story. <laughs> like, hello, I, what's wrong with y'all? Like, There's also an aspect that we've kind of touched on a little bit, which is, kind of the antiquity of the idea that you could scrub those stories from history Mm -hmm. in a modern info 
age because yeah like you said you buy the book burn your copy um but the production company or even if it is something that's no longer being produced it's most likely been scanned into a database at this point so it's digital um and unless you have the wherewithal the skills to scrub something off the internet which come on we is that possible at this point there's probably more people trying to sustain knowledge on the internet Uh than people who are trying to scrub it and i hate to say it but the people who are trying to like the this is my impression (laughs) but i don't think the people who are doing the the restriction of information I don't think I don't think there's the skill set that they can do it. Like I don't I, because I think there's more people who will just like undo it. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. more people who would undo that to be like, yo, knowledge is power, and we should be more accurate than the people who are trying to create harm by yeah by um you know trying to erase history. Which by the way, sorry, but I think we've all learned as a human species that that's impossible. Um, mm-hmm. They really yeah. tried to hide black history and look at us, well-informed, yeah. trying to get our reparations. Like, there's, like, you can't erase, you can't erase it. Like, you can try to cover it up as much as you can, but the truth is still going to be the truth. It's going, exactly. That That's what makes it so funny is that it's like, um, it's the, you know, Nazi Germany. Like, you can't, you, the ideological repression that happened in the Soviet Union. You can do all of that. And that there's more, there's more films I forget what the amount is, but someone had done a study on it at one point in time or like commented how many movies there are about <laughs> the ideological repression or scripts or plays or whatever um, in, um, you know, sort of the bourgeois intelligentsia and all that stuff from the from that era, the Stalin era and all that. Like there's more movies about it. You If you want to learn about Russian Revolution and Stalinism and old Stalinist Soviet Union there's so many things there's and that's just movies not books not you know graphic novels all kinds of things have been written about that so how do you hide it like you by by doing that it's it's centuries later or a century later but here we are and there is no way and I, I thought about like Fahrenheit 54 51 it's written in 53 and Ray Bradbury I'm sure there was a part of that that it was inspired by the book burnings in Nazi Germany. And, you know, who would, I don't know if there was ever a thought that, like, I remember they did a remake of the film for HBO, uh, which uh, was Michael B. Jordan. I did try, it was awful. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but they tried to make it like the dystopian was a social media age. So it was no longer television bringing down the downfall, it was the internet. And it was kind of this like black mirror like black mirror just does it better kind of a thing and it mm-hmm. was not done so well and it's it's hard to update something like that like they should have just kept it in this classical classical kind of motif or whatever but they wouldn't have made sense for it for 2020 whatever in this era whatever that year that was made um and so i do understand but i'm like man this we, we've come so long and so far like you said be if you it's hard enough for people who want things off the internet like the vilification of 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 twisting of facts you know it's these things that are, can plague people on the internet that isn't even true you know um people want that stuff off they want 
uh, to expunge things that make no sense from the internet. And it's hard to do that. Like it may take you a year. I have had people who've eventually scrubbed everything, but it's taken them like 18 months to do it. Um, even if you're Beyonce, it took her a long time to scrub the internet from stuff. So, and and she did it on Beyonce's internet, you know, (laughs) on Beyonce's internet. (laughs) So Um, I feel like there is a reprise in book banning, mm -hmm. um, especially Mm -hmm. now that there's more liberation and being more gender fluid, being queer. Um, Mm -hmm. now that there is more, you know, I would say liberation and coming out as you, like like last week we talked about sexuality, right? Like why does my sexuality matter? And so now there's books and resources out there for folks who are feeling like they need those resources, um, something to relate to, something to validate them. And so now that those are coming out, we have a lot of folks who are like, you know, anti that agenda and they want to burn those resources to keep it very strictly like a religious and very cis heterosexual culture, which, you know, that's, that's such a westernized ideal, right? Um, To try to maintain those values. Um, But anywho, well, not strictly Western, but I, for, for the sake of like, just trying to like repress it. Um, Anywho, that could be revised, by the way. I'm not saying what I just said was perfect. Anywho, um, so I noticed that there's been a heightened sense of that. And now that it's like, you know, it's Pride Month where we should be celebrating gender fluidity. We should be celebrating different sexualities um, that folks are feeling like real, like, you know, on top of like wanting to try to really keep information away from people who may need that information. So it's it's really disappointing because like you're not, like I said, like there's a new renaissance of making sure that there's this information available and even by burning it like we're in a digital age now like you said priors like things can be scanned things can be kept online and so um it's just really funny to me that even with them trying to burn these resources like you're like oh no like it's still available um and they're not even fictional they're just resources um whereas like the worst most toxic thing out there that has been um I would say revised and reinterpreted and you know adjusted for the narrative of the person who's trying to take advantage of others has been like you know oh curse it that I say it the bible um Ooh, a book that might possibly be the number one that should be banned in schools I would say Ugh, hot take yeah oh absolutely um yeah cuz it's interesting to me how much manipulation that book itself has influenced for certain people who have <laughs> I watched it what was the quote I said I don't know Aoxus released a video about like someone saying like you will get the damage of the weight of your sins Ooh. and it was in context of his like parody fight and um Oh, I'm trying to remember the quote that he said, but it was really, really good. Um, oh, it was like, God will help those who will help themselves. And, <laughs> and and that like struck really heavy for me because it's like, yeah, be accountable. But sometimes that leaning on that book in particular being like, well, the Bible said in this verse, in this chapter, in this, in this template, <laughs> whatever commandment, like folks really lean heavy on the things to fit their narrative when it's like, don't lean on something to fit your narrative 
if you're not being accountable for it, which can be actually more harmful for the community than actually just reading things to help liberate you and other things. Like, I don't know, Kylie, I saw that you were about to say something. I'm, I don't mean to like. No, um, I, I think that bringing up the Bible and bringing up theocracy is extremely pertinent to this conversation because when you look at the, the reasoning behind um, book bannings and when you specifically get into the First Amendment in censorship and in um, thought policing um, and when you start getting into the book banning, well, are, are we now taking away the voices of our young people, of our students by actually eliminating the opportunity for them to even have critical thought? You know, the whole point of an education mm -hmm. is to teach you how to interact with the world and think critically to be able oh. to take yeah. a piece of material, have a discussion around it. Um, if we eliminate those things, we're creating people who, I mean, yay, good for the system because now we have, you know, indoctrination on a mass level, but bad for us as citizens if we want to actually be able to implement democracy um, and move as individuals in the world because the American dream is what that you can live in a land of opportunity and we've talked so much on this podcast about uh, resources and um, the fact that it's really hard to manifest something if you don't know that it's even possible for you so if you don't see it happen if we don't see the representation um, then that option is not even open to you as a thought so I think taking yeah. it even further of we are robbing ourselves of a level of humanity when we do this mm -hmm. yeah uh, it's crazy so did you guys have any favorite banned books or books that you read when you were younger that you were like ah oh, definitely wouldn't be allowed to do that in school currently well I'm gonna do it anyway because I used to read fan fiction so Banned. Like ban my books. Okay, banned here's here's a little list. smutty smut about Inuyasha. Let's go. For those who know me, that's a deep cut. Go on. Lord, that is a deep cut. And also, like, should there be some things that are banned? <laughs> like, you know, because like yeah. most of the reasonings are are specifically geared towards children, right? Which is why I said, you know, we're looking at schools. Um, yeah. And when you're talking about materials that would be harmful to a young mind, bruh, oh, the or... color purples on the list. Yes. No. So yeah. it was no. for, incest, for incest specifically, but yeah. Yeah, sexual topics, explicit topics, violence and language um, mm -hmm. used to be like the bare bones. And then it kind of expanded Rape? into yeah. things where like, oh, we don't want this inquiry. So if we're in a, like, a religious setting, we're like, I don't think the school has the capability to answer this question, or I don't want my son bringing this question to their teachers but you don't want to talk about it at home. So then where does that leave your child? Like they have no options. We but had a like podcast a... <laughs> episode about parents being accountable about the knowledge and giving Ooh. space for their kids to talk about it with them safely. Safely. Not being like resistant and being like, oh no, like you shouldn't be reading that. How dare you read that? No, like sit down and talk to your child being like, hey, so what you read that situation should never happen, but this is a story to talk about things that have happened to others. Like, just be real about it. Like, don't be scared to talk about these subjects. It's it's just 
just yeah. be real. Sorry. Yeah, Which I think, you, yeah. Human beings have gotten so sissy. Do y'all remember the old school fables? I used to read a lot of like fairy tales and like the old school fables, they gave it to you straight. They're like, these children did this and then the witch ate them or these children did this and then they all died. Like, yeah. <laughs> Disney isn't as innocent either. I mean, let's talk about the readaptions of like the Little Mermaid, for example, right? Like those are so gruesome. Sorry, Prowse, I see you. Yes, Prowse, please, please. please. Oh, no, no, Prowl, no. I was, I was the ending choir uh, behind some of the things that you were saying. And it was like, yeah, the about like the accountability piece. So I was just like, yeah, there's there's lack of that. I, and especially I find that to be a big issue in where. OK, this is this may be insulting, but I do find that there are people I'll say of the Hotepian uh, philo philosophical. <laughs> Speak, my queen. That that have very similar behaviors and ideologies as white supremacists. It's it's different in some ways, but it's just modulated differently. But upholding, you know, sometimes like there are some things that are pushed aside because there's an assumedly an agenda, and I've heard people refer to this agenda, right? And I won't even go into the details of said agenda, but it's this agenda to. Um, you know, that is only targeted to like black men or, and, um, and I think that's also dangerous narrative. Um, Everything. Oh, she, she's on mute. I sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but yeah, just to continue that thought, I mean, and anybody can chime in here and re clean this up for me, but you know what I mean? Like we all know these types, they're, they're inflammatory about these beliefs that they have that are like not real. And it reminded me even when V was saying something about the statement around like, um, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Like that's not in the Bible. Um, or like when people cleanliness is like the God is, those are, those are things that are not in the Bible. Um, that are people assume right money is the root of all evil that's not anything that's actually quoted in the bible um that's that love, it's all manipulation tactics it's all manipulation right. tactics to keep people like poor like that's that's the biggest thing like by taking away knowledge and readapting knowledge to be a larger thing like i yeah. think one concept is to keep people like unknowledgeable not being able to you know take the advantages yeah. that as they should as people especially in the united states of america um sorry kylie yeah. we completely like derailed from your question we didn't even tell you what books that we that no that's that's oh, totally oh, yeah. fine this is it's a machiavelli world we're talking about the prince we're talking about thought manipulation this is all under this book banning oh, banner yeah. and you book mentioned you mentioned a really critical thing you said critical thinking and that's what's really important about this thing it's not the fact that like people just want to read stories it's the fact that these stories invoke critical thought like yeah it's yeah it's incredible like when you read knowledge is power like it's it's a whole thing so i guess to answer your question and we'll and we'll put this in a nice little bow is um i was looking at some of the list of these books and i was just man Barnes and Noble has a whole section of them being like, oh, you guys want to talk about banned books? Here's our banned book section. Uh <laughs> right? I like, to your point, V, to, straight to your point, capitalism, like, 
yes please oh no you banned the book thank you like my goal is to be banned my goal is to be upsetting to do you guys want to know what banned book here it's highlighted right here it's banned it's banned please buy it but it's banned yeah that's that's marketing right like that's smart marketing because for those people that are like i'm going to take every to kill a mockingbird and i'm going to end kids from ever being able to read it like they, they can they'll produce more it's not like like you said B, it's not like a classic book that i could see from like you know the the early you know 1900s or something that may be or um really really hard to reproduce um but you're we can just buy more a clockwork orange like we'll they'll make more mm-hmm. um <laughs> You're not getting anywhere by hiding Animal Farm. It's all over the damn place. And there's too but much content that's based off of it. That's right? not what they want to hide. You know, we know that's not what they want to hide. They, it's, they're like, oh, no, keep keep the Mark Twains. Keep the Ernest Hemingways. Uh, but those are banned. Those I are banned. Zora Neale Hurston. To Kill a Mockingbird <laughs> is not allowed in school anymore. So I was pretty shocked because by, by sixth grade, I had definitely read To Kill a Mockingbird probably mm-hmm. two or three times or like, Catcher in the Rye, like some, you know, pretty, um, someone mentioned Steinbeck, like of Mice and Men. You normally by middle school, like that's on your list of things. Um, and I was very surprised, like we, my, my son does not have any of that, those books. Um, he got Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry and Tuck Everlasting, which were things that I did read. Ooh. But I'm just like thinking to myself, like, geez, the books have got real like lighty, haven't they? Like. And most of the stuff is, you know, because they don't have textbooks, or at least in my son's school, they don't. A lot of schools don't have textbooks anymore. The textbooks are all virtual, and because everything changes so much, I mean, I did have them in grad school. I never had it. I never bought one textbook in grad school ever, unless it was like an accomp- a companion book. But to your point, it was more so because I had to write papers. I would have to, you know, mm-hmm. library books. Go to a library. Yeah. And that was like the biggest thing of article, you know, getting citing articles that were peer reviewed content, which are books are not peer reviewed that if they're if they're not nonfiction or if they're not, um, you know, fiction is not peer reviewed. So, yeah, Ernest Hemingway, Farewell to Arms is not a, it's it's may not have the same, you know, I, I could get where it's being banned and challenged. But like you're not a part of the peer review process, like nobody asked y'all for your opinion. You're not in here. <laughs> like this book is written without your commentary in it, and it's been published without your commentary. So I find it funny that people are trying to like make things peer review that is not. Like when when does it stop? You know what I mean? Like when do you? Um, I I I won't get into Twitter, but I'll just say that you know folks that are buying platforms to try and uh, sway. Um, the ideology of an entire country to fill fit a narrative you know where does it end it's like there's stuff that i see where do people get the news from now you know so banned books is one thing but it seems like even the critical thought idea around what you said kylie is like everything can be applied to that there's so many things that are just banned from like oh you can't question that oh the was was the election stolen? I'm not suggesting that at all that Trump has any sense. But what I'm saying is that where, if you make that up, where's your ability to deduce the facts, the truth, the reality from it? You, people should be able to say what they want, and then you deduce where is you know that's what the fact checking used to be about. Do they even have that anymore? It's just gone. 
um, the inner internets are free game. You throw something out there and you're like, oh, you know what? This was this was in the Bible. You know what it says? You know, <laughs> it's like, this is it why we need librarians. <laughs> this is why you need librarians. All right. On that yeah. wonderful thought, um, yeah. let's go ahead and move into more sexier things that are definitely not banned, but are hella sexy. Um, sexier than librarians? Sexier <laughs> than librarians. Oh, boy. So let's go ahead and talk about nerdy and dirty. Hysterical Yay. literature. Da, 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 da. Um, I discovered this back in 2012. Yeah, you did. You're perfect. I was like, really, I was like flushed. I'm like, what is, like, at first what was funny is like a friend of mine, um, or a friend of mine at the time, um, that was shady. Sorry, let me move on. <laughs> you have your reading glasses on. It's Pride Month. It's, she, she's reading for the children today. I am reading y'all today. Um, so I was at a I was like hanging out with like a group of people and uh, they played, they're like, we really need to show you this Veronica. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's like, there's just, there's this girl who's just reading a book. And I'm like, there's this girl who's just reading a book. Okay. And so I sit down and I get like, I have like a beer in my hand or whatever. And like, while she's reading, I notice that she's like making all these uncomfortable gestures. And I'm like, or not uncomfortable. I thought it was uncomfortable. Club <laughs> was like, oh my God, bees. Oh my God, bees. <laughs> We see you, Clop. <laughs> um, anywho, uh, so while while she's like doing her like movements, I finally figured out that oh boy, they, she is getting off, and I hear the vibrations under that table. She's clearly getting off while reading this book, and so I thought it was hilarious because it's like how long do you last before you give in to the climax of of what's happening with your body because that sure the book sure did not climax in story i'll tell you what after watching a couple of those videos so um yeah i i really like this project a lot um but at the same time it is it is definitely pervy um it felt more pervy than more of a study i think um because i it's just more so like how long can women to me the message i got and you guys can probably tell me a different message like i what i got is like okay how much can a woman take before she is too distracted by the sensations that are happening in her body not actually reading so that's that's my take on it <laughs> I noticed there was a difference also in materials. There were some materials that it was just like, oh, this was just spicy material and it got you there immediately. Whereas there would be some where it was like drier and so they could hold out longer. <laughs> so I think it's also that intersection of like the act of reading in and of itself and like that world building that you have in your mind. I'm, I was very pleased with this study. Can I participate? Say that again, Kylie. I'm sorry. You can't get off on the podcast. Please do not read a book. No. <laughs> it's frowned upon. I can't read a book. No, I don't want to get a community. Because <laughs> we're on Twitch. Twitch. <laughs> For the clitoral, literal literature. You can't yeah. read on this podcast. It's not allowed. <laughs> I mean, you can, but I, you can't tell us that you're reading like that. <laughs> I'll do it in a Maya Angelou voice. It'll be great. 
I would like to see. Okay, hmm. I I would. I'm curious about a a, a men version of this, a masculine Ooh. version of this. Okay. Well, when I was doing my research, I found both because I had never I had never heard of this before. This is when we when this conversation came up as a thing. I was like, I, I was kind of intrigued. I said, "What? What is that?" So. I was like, I'm, it was properly explained to me on the call, but I didn't really catch it. So I was like, is it just like erotic, like literature? Like what is, because that's what I'm thinking. I didn't realize that there was actual people who watched this on, especially like, you know, as the whole tumblers and stuff that were com just com committed to the content of filming these, these folks in black and white, usually women, but there were men too that were, who, you know, choose their own stuff or whatever. And then um after they read a page or two you know it's like a pause unexpectedly the breathing is sped up the fingers are moving restlessly over the book voices break down it's a resolute you know kind of a it's it's just um and it, each one has like an unmistakable orgasm each time and there's what is happening and you know just the women are fully clothed there is not acting they're they have different you know distinctive personalities um but it's portraiture it's it sometimes makes you laugh it's sometimes erotic it's sometimes supposed to be amusing um but that there are people who watch and it reminded me of like meg ryan in the when harry met sally scene or whatever where, like, i'll have what, what she's you, having <laughs> what are you presenting without context i mean if, if you stumble across it but there's not there's, there's people who are really going specifically you know for that and that there's like actual now you know vibrators that are made um like the Hitachi and stuff that are made with like to look like the spaceship of the imagination from Cosmos or you know that that kind of stuff like to have like a Harry Potter snitch um stop a snitch for your snatch I cannot yeah. and then, but then, Jane or her, like you're just what is happening here so you have like an I Claudius monocle and all this other stuff like I and it's but I was just surprised I was like people this enterprising so this was new to me, but just seeing um, the version of it, because someone was reading like necrophilia um, variations by Supervert. I'm just like, this is, does not seem like something, you know, it's uh, la petite mort. So you, you're having, and then, you, and then they just start, you know, and it's just like, this is an interest. Like I, like we said, the word is uncomfortable because I didn't know where to go. Well, like I, the possibilities are endless with what you could think is happening here. I mean, are we really um, actually paying attention to what they're reading, though? Sometimes. Please. No, so, uh, Please. <laughs> uh, totally. This was brought to me in a college course uh, when uh -huh. I first was brought to this particular series. And it was surrounding the conversation of, is porn art? Um, because there was the conversation, of, well, is this um, something that you could showcase in a museum? Uh, is this count as an artistic series? Is this pure smut? Um, and so then it's that critical thinking conversation, right? And it's like, does the literature matter um, as part of the stimulation? <laughs> uh, so there's a, like a bunch of different aspects. And then I really want a version of this to be like anime fiction. Stop. We already know that that would just be pure smuttery. <laughs> That would be where we're, we're soft. It's that one guy. It's that one guy. I know you on here. We'll have to do some collabs. Lord, sorry, Vita, can you so find sorry. your all your old school like Sailor Moon? Oh no, I am I am writing. mature. 
And I would find <laughs> Berserk where the characters are of age, not Sailor okay. Moon, where they're go. not Here of age. Inuyasha is of age. Anything about Kagome could be whited out. Um, <laughs> Thank you for coming with a mature take. She said, yes, make it nerdy and make it right. Make it nerdy and make it right. Hello. I will stand by those damn words. I need to double check the Elric brothers to make sure that they are of age. Maybe Edward might be. Um, I know all those officers are. So... <laughs> This is how you know you're grown when you're like, wait, before I make this fanfic, let me <laughs> say that everyone is of age. This was great. Uh, I I love this topic. This was a good one. I actually love the fact that this was brought to a college course because what yeah. you brought up about it is this artistic. I, I think I'd like to think that it is because it kind of does invoke a lot of thought, right? Like, and it also, it has a sense of it brings out a little bit like what type of human are you like what are you paying attention to when this is happening like are you shocked yeah. are you monitoring this person are you actually listening to the book are mm -hmm. you waiting until she actually like are you waiting for the climax like and i feel like just for you like human behavior like we always want to look forward to the climactic part of any type of activity whether if you're like you know watching a movie and there's a climactic part of the movie or even if you watch someone who actually gets the point of orgasm which is pervy but like people look forward to that and so it kind of like brings to the question like what human behaviors are going on when you're watching this because like like you said kylie they're fully clothed um so it's not exactly pornography or traditional pornography but it's in a way where you're just like does it actually happen does this person actually like you know come after like they read this book will the book actually affect when they come to the time of orgasm so it's just a lot of like not questions where you like you're you need answers but you're like looking forward to it so it's kind of it is performative but at the same time like it does kind of bring up a lot of like good um prompts of discussion like what we're doing right now right yeah yes and i think for me it was also the additional discussion in within the series about the representation of women because they were you know all different sizes all different like you said ages personalities, ages and yeah. i remember there being a particular discussion around um margaret cho participating in this series yes. oh i forgot she did that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and speaking uh about what it was like you know being a comedian and um being uh, a fuller sized uh asian woman and talking about what the thought process was like for her to even participate in something like this um questioning her own you know traditional backgrounds and and you know, navigating all of those things that come along with also trying to define what type of woman you are outside of what type of person you are, if that's how you choose to identify, and also being a queer woman in this space. So there was a lot of conversation from her end, and I she had she's even she's also done a queer of, married woman, which a queer married woman on top of that, yeah. like whoa. Sorry, Ivy, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. It, that's like I I was kind of sticky noting what you were saying. Yeah, like 
she there was another interview I watched with her. It was like a quick snippet where she talked about being married, but having kind of like an open marriage in a way where her and her partner can still have sex with other people if they so choose, but it doesn't affect their partnership. It doesn't affect the way that they collaborate on a life together. Um, and so like when you talk about like with her traditional with her traditional background of like how she had to kind of think before doing her session there's also the fact that like she's taking some strides in like liberating her sexuality to be in a way where it's like traditional not traditional but also in a way where it's functional right sorry go ahead i said sorry because i care about you and making sure that i'm not (laughs) No, I love it. Um, prowess. Would you, I, I'm interested to see what your take might be on this as a woman who's also come from traditional and religious backgrounds who participates in an art form that is openly empowered in expressions of female pleasure. Oh, I, I think... For me personally, I feel like it's a constant state of reminding yourself of, of freeing yourself from any sort of, you know, any sort of chains that don't allow you to, which we talked about the ideological criticism, right? Like you have to have ideological criticism as a part of, of, of a journey of life. Um, and I feel like, you know, there's no better uh, way, whether that's art or whether that's film or whether that is literature that you have to um consider you know what it means to be opposing and creating your own what it means to have your own opinion and your own you know ideograph about something and i think we tend to get lost in concepts because they are very very, you know liberty and freedom um which are very kind of nebulous concepts when they're an abstract in the way of like we don't tend to think of it alongside, um, you know, of chastity and like of, you know, the the guide around like virginal, you know, uh, Madonna. It's like it's either your Madonna or your, you know, the whore. And which one is and, and that goes not just for, for cisgender type of situations, just across the board that one has to like break out of like structuralism a little bit in order to really kind of broaden to free yourself. You have to be able to say, I can't with, be within the structure, but I stand behind that structure and understand like what the sur- surface phenomena are that have made me have this belief and question that belief and then be able to free yourself from the belief. And that doesn't mean you're denouncing um, religion. It doesn't mean you're denouncing you know, philosophy or linguistics or whatever, whatever, you know, structuralist uh, theory that you have been brought up in. I think for me, ultimate freedom is like just being able to say, I can stand outside of the structuralism and I can, you know, make fun of it. I can talk about it. I can have a conversation (laughs) about it. I can, you know, I can be liberated to even just kind of point at the, whether that's, you know, kind of the irony of it or whatever like there there's that piece too to be like sexual liberation what does that truly mean like for you know people who are if you're wed to like the structuralist thought around like well it's it has to look like this right like it's me saying what was this going to look i had no idea what 
hysterical literature was. So I had no framework for it. I had no, you know, preset notions around it. It was like, what's this um, fundamentally no idea. And then it's now like cinema. And then it's, you know what I mean? And so I'm just looking at it like art and I didn't have, I couldn't apply judgment when I'm just looking at it like that. Like my prefrontal cortex isn't allowing me to like look at the idiosyncrasy part of it. And I'm just looking at it like this is art because that's how it was presented. I did not have those those elements. So I feel like the freedom getting out of like the box that you're in the or boxy. the, yes, that helps I think with like when you come from a more traditionalist kind of a narrative. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, ladies. I think that was a very good session about talking about this. And for anybody who wants to check it out, there is a whole website um, of information about it. <laughs> Uh, also, there's there's probably a lot of parody, not parodies, but I would say like there's there's inspired content out there, yes, which is not inspired. belonging to the actual creator of this project. Who um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but um, also as another thing, oh, Clayton Cubit is his name. Yeah, I was gonna say it, he's got an alliterative name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also has made it very clear too that like any casting calls for this is not real they're all fraudulent he doesn't do casting calls he's very oh. selective about <laughs> not the couch calls for the book reading yeah i know like yeah. it, it's to protect people because like That's this wild. is a very sensitive space right like it's a very yeah. sensitive space yeah. to to show your sexual liberation and your sexual climax publicly to people so it has to take with very it has to be taken with care. Um, mm -hmm. And so, anywho, um, moving along, things that have left you with an impression, uh, since we're still on the subject of books, today is a book episode, like as we mentioned before, at the, right at the top. Um, Kylie, what are some books that have left you with an everlasting impression? Um, we talked about The Color Purple uh, before, and that book has stayed with me forever. Uh, I read it fairly young. Um, I want to say I was like maybe eight or nine. And I was, you know, definitely deep in my, like, we're reading all of the black female authors we can read. So I, I read a lot of Alice Walker. Um, you know, I read Toni Morrison. Uh, I was reading um, Zora Neale Hurston. I was reading Maya Angelou. And um, all of those authors have books that have stayed with me and resonated with me. Uh, and it's very clear, like, my trajectory as a poet and doing, um, you know, poetry out loud, those competitions, highlighting Black authors um, has been something that has been near and dear to me. And then even finding the intersectionality between all of the spaces, you know, people who didn't know that black sci-fi exists um you know people who didn't think that you know black people were writing with historical pieces um and now we see it and it's everywhere um we have ha hamilton right and like where did hamilton get those roots and it comes from authors like these um it comes from malcolm x writing it comes from martin luther king writing um angela davis um, so I'm very blessed to have like that deep literature background. I spent a lot of time in the library. Like that was my safe place and I didn't have computers back in the day. So I would literally walk 
to the library and just sit and read for hours and hours and hours until the librarians kicked me out. <laughs> and I had to walk my little butt home with my backpack full of checked out books where I would continue to read at home. And I was the kid that like snuck the little like flashlight in at night when everybody's like lights out and I'm still reading. And that's probably why I have glasses now. Uh, I strain. What? We hear you. <laughs> the dedication is real. Um, so those are just a few of my authors. Um, of course, I was a huge Tolkien kid too. I read a lot of nerdy, nerdy books, Dragonheart series, Tamora Pierce, um, a lot of female leads, a lot of fantasy, a lot of sci-fi. Thank you for that. Those weren't those weren't specific. I feel like there was too much to be like specific. I was like, I need to name some well, of I these mean, people. We said books. It's plural. So <laughs> uh, we said it's plural. Um, what about you, Priors? What are some books that kind of left you? Oh, yeah, I feel like Kylie and I would have been best friends when we were growing up because everything that she said, the entire experience, that was my experience. The entire, like, like I could, the entire thing that she just said, I could have said the same thing. I'm like, I, that was the summer at my grandmother's house. Going to the, to the library, she would make us go for the entire day because it was like our babysitter in some cases when she had to be downtown and the MLK library was downtown and um, you know, it had to be something that was a great American novel. So you couldn't just read like, you know, my cousin that tried to read Pick Your Own Adventure. No, sir. You <laughs> that, you better put that back. You better find something else, you know. Um, better get uh, something that's, that's uh, within the vein of what she wants. And so um, we would start making, which was funny, we would kind of start making our own version. And then the, the best thing was also when we could find books that were like... Um, life-changing. I, I found this book called Makes Me Want to Holler about was written by a man named Nathan McCall who went to prison um, for 20 years and then he became a best-selling author. He wrote an autobiography about his life. Um, he worked at the um, Atlanta Journal-Constitution and um, for the Washington Post um, was an incredible writer and kind of his life was about you know it's deep and street crime and violence and all these hardships of um, class differences and gang rapes, it's all kinds of stuff in there, right? And it was just like, we we would, it felt like um, you were getting a taste of something you weren't supposed to be reading. So for me, it was like, we might as well be listening to Doggy Style, right? It's just there, like, couldn't listen to Ice Cube, it was banned in the house, but you can, but books, <laughs> no one could ever assume that that's what you were reading, you know, and you, you start to creep in some things with Go Tell It on a Mountain, James Baldwin. I always uh, liked Hurston and I would, their eyes were watching God was kind of a guilty pleasure for me because there was a bit of, um, you know, Janie's uh, impending sexuality and the whole idea of like what um, chastity and that kind of thing growing up with her grandmother raising her, all the stuff that I would, you know, was experiencing. And then of course, like, you know, you got your, your Bloom books. I mean, um, you know, I, the praise, praise Judy Bloom, and praise the fact that they're trying to officially make, um, you know, make her her movies into great film lore now. But I mean, gosh, she was uh, just got me through some some moments of of you know preteen awkwardness and having something to identify with. Um, so I feel like you know, against all of the like great American stories. You also get the opportunity to have, you know, gosh, I read, you know, <laughs> R.L. Stein. You know what I mean? Like, I, it was whatever, 
whatever floated your boat at that point in time that you could read you read Atwood and nobody would say anything because it was you know they thought that that was a book so you know you get the goosebump series and it's like this does not look like something that's going to work <laughs> but it is I can get it in the hardcover so you know I can get it in a hardcover <laughs> <laughs> those those are my top Thank you for sharing that too. I I like that you addressed the preteen awkwardness. I remember there was one, I can't remember if it was a Judy Bloom book per se, but there was one that really captured, like it captured more like late teen themes about wanting to like, you know, have sex with people that you get in a relationship with or, um, like I think there was one aspect of like going through puberty and stuff. I will. I actually have a confession. I had a hard time getting into books as a kid. Um, the reason for such is because I feel like, and maybe correct me, maybe let me know if you guys have ever felt this way. But like every time I've ever read something, I had a hard time contextualizing like what I was reading. Reading. And yeah. so, like, even though I would read one sentence over and over and over again, I would always miss out on, like, what that sentence actually meant. And so I did my best that I could, but, like, the only time I really understood what was going on in the story is when I would go back to class and the class would take talk about it. And it's like, oh, that's what that meant. So I had a lot of trouble contextualizing things. And I think it was also a combination of being told, like, this is what I think it is and being told I was wrong or being over explained of what, what it is. And so like, I think there might've been like a resistance at some point when I was a kid, just being like, I don't know what this means, but um, there was one book that finally I was able to like see the pictures in my head. And that was Esperanza rising. It was about oh. a girl who had a family attacked by bandits and it was very placed in Mexican culture and that was kind of like one of the very few times where I was actually like reading like a chapter book where I was proud of myself for reading the chapter book and I was yeah. like oh my god I can see the story in my head like I can see what's going on I understand the concepts that's going on like Esperanza Rising was about a girl who had to grow up too quickly because of the abuse and trauma that she had to endure um, through family that that basically killed her immediate family. It was like really dark. Um, and so I didn't leave a lasting impression where I learned anything, it, but it left a lasting impression for me because I was finally able to be like, I get the story and I can not relate per se, but like this was a story where I'm like, okay, I can remember now. Like, and this is what the concepts are and this is what's real for some people, even though it's part of fiction. And so that was one story that kind of like, sticks with me every so often um i Wait, can i ask how old you were when you read that i was in remember? third grade okay so i also think there's something that you touched on which is like that full immersion into literature and like neurologically like that is around the time where you actually start to be able to do that so i don't think that that's like a like not a typical experience you know, third grade is when you start really getting more like context books. And that's, I would say, yeah, that's the age. I think that's, that's yeah. But yeah. you'd be surprised how much feedback I've received for not getting it. Like, 
I think it's because also you're a brown and black oh, woman. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that might. That has a I lot. I can't tell you how many times I was told that a take I had was, "Yo, you're just not reading it right." And I was just like, "Um, I think, I think the fuck I am. I think that you just don't want me to have a voice in your classroom." Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. So, but this also carried on in high school where I struggled yeah. to read books like you know Ernest Hemingway and like, will what's that motherfucker's name William Thoreau like so just like old white men and i'm like oh my gosh like i like i'm reading this and i have to write like a nine page essay on this bullshit like now i'm hate reading it so actually a lot of i did and what really kind of saved me a lot was like spark notes and stuff but that's a whole different story was it zane did zane really save you a lot no zane I read a lot. I did read a lot of fan fiction just because of the fact, like, because I knew the characters, like, I was able to visualize things in my head. And also, I did read a lot of manga because it's the same thing. Like, I can put the visuals to context of the speech to understand the story. So I was very, like, visual on that part. Lastly, I will add in my adult life, audiobooks have been the thing, but one of the books that I actually what that actually helps me get back into reading a little bit was Between the World and Me by uh, Tanisi Coates. So I was like reading that and there's been a couple of times like I sat there crying, like sobbing because there was yeah. some stories about that he outlined about just the the softness that black men need that they don't get and I was just like I remember being out in public um, um, just like at a bagel shop and like I just started weeping because of like how good that book was. Um, and so yeah. it, it led me to continue reading it. And even though like it, it felt more like essay form writing than it did actually did with like storytelling um, yeah. a bit. But at the same time, like I was still able to like absorb what was being written down and to have a better understanding of like what was going on in our black community because like there was a few times in my life before this podcast that i felt very detached and um i probably explained it in other episodes of why i felt detached but like i did feel detached so it kind of helped me put me back into a place where like this is the reattachment to understanding like what's really happening in the real world through this man's text so um, I really do love that book. Um, and I shout out to kudos to Nicole Boas who put me on that book um, because I had, um, it was time well spent is that what I'll put it. All right, so we are getting down to the nitty gritty last parts of this podcast. Um, thank you all for being here thus far. We do have a big move Monday. Um, Kylie, you please can go into that. Yes. Um, so we wanted to dedicate this Big Move Monday in keeping to our like grand book theme um, to a woman by the name of Kim Lee Bowie Burton. Um, she is the first Vietnamese uh, head librarian and director of history in Monterey County. Uh, she was inducted into the Librarian Hall of Fame in Sacramento this past week. She's um, on many boards and organizations, and she recently was able to implement Pacific Grove's first Pride Month. Um, she's accomplished so much in her lifetime. 
um, as someone who is an advocate for queer folks, I she's also my godmother. So just personally watching her growth um, as she had her children and um, as she's grown up with her kids and me and our experiences with Pacific Grove in colorism and racism um, steeped in, you know, odd ideologies around what it means to be a human being and be accepted and embraced and supported. She's done a lot of advocacy work in making sure that representation means more than just a surface level rainbow sticker. Representation means that you actually employ people from different backgrounds, that you give people different platforms to speak on. Um, and she is someone who is like the, the quiet, quietest badass that I know. <laughs> you know. She is the quintessential librarian. She is the woman that you see with the glasses who has all of the knowledge and all of the power and is so unassuming with it. Um, and really just an open and beautiful person. She's someone that I aspire to be like. I think all of us here um, can really kind of find something that correlates with us in, in our own avenues of wanting to leave lasting impressions and be advocates for truth and knowledge seekers and apply critical thinking and see that your inner world is reflected in the outer world and the change that you do. So big move one day, Auntie Kim, thank you. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for Beautiful. that. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I, you know, it's kind of funny how like just going through like some of the library systems, like how a lot of the library or there's actually been a few librarians who've left a really wonderful impression with me um, between not just Monterey, but even Pacific Grove um, and libraries yeah. are so needed. Like that's the first place where you could just get resources for free just through membership. And so I just really advocate just that access. And then also I really love the fact that your your aunt like advocates for people of color and people who need these resources and, and you know, just making sure that people feel included. Like I think that's a, that's very beautiful, especially mm -hmm. when we need folks to be like that. Um, anywho, so are we promoing anything? The only thing I have right now is just like, just come to Magwest. I already preached about last week. Just come through. Uh, come through. Yeah, do that. Come through. That's all I'm gonna say. Just come, come through. Come through. Go support whatever you're, you know, there's gonna be like a, a lot of Juneteenth activities popping off soon. Oh, that's so right. Go, yes. That's right. Go yeah. find ways to tie into your black communities. Monterey is actually having a few different events going on, which I'm proud of them. They're having a film festival um, and you can just Google literally like Juneteenth celebration Monterey um, and you'll see a couple of these uh, events pop up. There's going to be a symposium. Um, Dr. Lusk out here in Monterey, she's going to be speaking um, at one of these symposiums for the Black Collective in uh, Seaside and Monterey. So if you want to tap into those communities, please feel free. Uh, Untamed Fire is also doing a pop-up on the 17th. So if you'd like to come down to Sand City and see me and say hi, uh, I will be there. So come find me. I wish I, I want to be there. Come find me, Prowess. <laughs> come find me, Prowess. 
support somebody. Give me some help. Like, let me get on out to support a girl, please. Um, and do some, get some uh, crystals while I'm at it. But yeah, that sounds like it's going to be super fire. I can't wait for that to hear about it. And then, uh, yeah. So, Paris, I just want to make sure you're good this week. Everything feeling. Yeah. I mean, right, she forgot I, to promo herself. Excuse me. I, I, yeah. Don't you have I'm just going to say Do Hello. Better Fest is coming on June 30th. Shout out to Joey Z. Um, oh, I've Do Better Fest. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, I know there's something. I like, I was like over here racking my brain. Yes. Sorry. Go on. Do Better No, yes. June 30th. Um, do Better Fest will be on live on Twitch. Um, it's uh, at uh, Do Better Fest Live. Um, uh, easy to find on Twitch, um, but it's exciting because it, it benefits the Brave Space Alliance, which we, I talked about last week, um, which is a, uh, we were right at time, but I will just say it's an organization that helps um, folks around uh, the country, but they are based in Southside Chicago and helping a lot of uh, young people in vulnerable populations um, as they're making their journey towards sort of their, their identity. Um, determining what that identity is and maybe lacking parental support or lacking um, stable home situations. Um, and so they provide a lot of resources, um, including gender affirming mental care and um, wellness. So, you know, can't beat, can't beat Brave Space Alliance. And I'm glad that this is a fundraiser for them. Um, but yeah, do better fast. <laughs> yes. Yes, and I did promise Joe Z that I will be retweeting that on the Lady Boards account, as well as the Lady Boards um, Insta Instagrams. Speaking of which, we do have social medias, so please check us out there. Lady Blurds Pod, Lady Blurds Podcast, you'll find us, not Lady, Lady Bird Sings the Blues, that's a jazz tune, but that's where the inspiration <laughs> comes from. Uh, other than that, thank you all so much for being here today. That was such wonderful wonderful um literature literally driven conversations and so anywho uh, we will see you guys not this next weekend but hopefully the weekend after that enjoy your juneteenth do all the activities and we'll see y'all next time